This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome once again to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia. Julie Lockton's episode directly preceded ours and was broadcast from sunny Spain. If you have a chance, I'd recommend checking that out on Mixcloud once it's uploaded. How are you doing today, Megan? A uh, little worse for wear, but uh, pretty good. Uh, late night last night with uh, having to drive an hour and a half or whatever for um, the Davis graduate, where Carrie was nice enough to uh, teach Can't Walk Away. Yes. So um, myself, Keith, uh, Leah, and Stephanie, all really good friends and great line dancers came out to help support and uh it went really well i thought she did a really good job so that was nice yep i was able to join you guys after leaving uh stoney's rock and rodeo um where i filled in for cat painter and taught what did i teach i taught alley cat Mm -hmm. and i helped folks through something cat had taught them previously which was K is for kicks. And it's a great little beginner dance for anybody who wants to uh, show their, their beginners that and see, see how they take it. Uh, yeah, right afterwards, like half hour, probably the shortest time I've ever spent at Sony is when I wasn't just picking up my hat. <laughs> um, I, yeah, 30 minutes in, 30 minutes out, and uh, I was with you guys at the Davis Graduate. Which is normally only about 20 minutes away, but there was some crazy traffic. They closed two lanes and squished it all down to one, and I ended up being like 40 minutes later than than I was expecting. Well, 20 minutes later than I was expecting for a 40-minute drive. Mm -hmm. Yep. But yeah, it was a good night. Uh, We got to Dr. Doctor, Classic Masters in Line Dance, Bump and Grind, which is definitely Joe, and I think maybe also Jamie Marshall. You know, we have the internet. Let's, Let's do the research. Bump in grind line dance and that is by Joe and Jamie Marshall yes haha well they're still uh, keeping that that dance alive and well at Stoney's are not Stoney's the grad um and um, you also yes, go ahead during uh, rocket they floor split and one side did rocket and the other side did dance ranch romp which i found out later um was called Actually, Baby Likes to Rock It. That's the full name. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Baby Likes, that's the one that starts out with the twist, 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 for anybody who um, knows which one we're talking about. And it also has that Christmas variation um, where it's like Santa is coming, Santa with the, I don't know. There, there's a, a Santa version of Baby Likes to Rock It as well. Uh, but yeah, you guys were doing Dance for Trump. Yeah. They really, they're into those classics. Also, they did Dizzy. They did. That was fun. Yes. It's, it's interesting how... I think I got a little more loose with Dizzy than with when he played Can't Walk Away. Because with Can't Walk Away, it's very smooth and sexy. And even though it's our dance, uh, with Dizzy, it's just peppy. And I just, I don't know, that like gave me a second wind. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Miss Joe Thompson-Smansky, we have a couple articles here that were inspired by the lovely lady, Miss Joe, uh, And these are about... Mentors. We have one article here from nerdwallet.com. Expert advice. Eight tips for getting the most out of a mentor. 
And I'll just read this opening paragraph or paragraphs. Navigating through college and into the job market is an exciting rite of passage into adulthood, but it's also one of the trickiest. It can be challenging and intimidating for students from any background, but the good news is you don't have to go it alone. College is the perfect time and place for students to develop mentorship relationships, because everyone around is willing to help and wants to see a student succeed. A mentor can be anyone, an inspiring professor, manager, or coach who is invested in a student's future and will willingly offer career guidance. Mentorship relationships benefit the student, who receives invaluable advice from an expert's perspective, but also the mentor, who is gratified knowing he helped a student accomplish his dreams. What's more, mentorship relationships result in real career advantages. According to a study by Sun Microsystems, those who are mentored are five times more likely to receive job promotions. While colleges prepare students for the real world through academic and career advising, many graduates look back wishing they had received more personalized mentoring. To help you find that perfect someone and make the most of their sage advice, Nerd Scholar asked the career experts. Here are their eight best tips. <clears throat> First, before finding a mentor. Number one, allow mentoring relationships to occur organically. Since a mentor can be anyone who provides guidance and support, mentoring relationships are not always clearly labeled. A student can have many mentors without quite realizing it because, quote, the best mentor relationships evolve naturally, says Scott Hammond, clinical professor of management at Utah State University. A student and a professor work on a small research project that becomes big. A business owner asks you to help with a project. A small success leads to a bigger relationship. Instead of actively looking for a mentor, students should focus on developing the professional relationships they already have. For students who want a more formal mentoring relationship, many colleges offer programs that match students with mentors. South Carolina's Wofford College has a formal mentoring program in which students are matched with alumni mentors, but Scott Cochran, Dean of Career Services, says, We also see a lot of informal relationships develop between students and college staff, professors, coaches, or work supervisors. Similarly, Ron Culp, Director of Public Relations at DePaul University in Chicago, tells students to, quote, avoid the direct ask, will you be my mentor? You and the prospective mentor should know by osmosis if this has the potential of a long-term mentoring relationship. Mentoring relationships can be formed in different ways, but many students prefer reaching out to someone they already know and trust. Hashtag can't painter. Hashtag Joe Thompson. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with the letting it form organically. Um, you get more out of it that way. They get more out of it that way because it's more than just the, um, the will you be my mentor? Like I feel like that's such an awkward question. I agree. Like if someone said that to me, I'd be like, uh, why? Like, you know, what do I do? Do I sit here with a clipboard and like think of inspiring quotes for you? Right, yeah. exactly. As well as like, you know, if it's, it's obviously I want to help as many people as I can, but there is certain people that you just bond with um, more naturally and more fluently. And then others that, you know, you have to actually um take thought process and consideration on how to approach someone. Um, you have those friendship or connections um, with people when you're more authentic. And so when you let things develop organically, I mean, just by being yourself, 
then you're going to get a better relationship out of it because then they're also going to know you um, and all your quirks as opposed to just this is some student in line dance that, you know, is taking a couple classes. Okay, I know what to do with them. Mm. You know, so... Um, yeah, no, I definitely like the idea of the organic mm-hmm. chemistry. Also, it kind of proves, if it's happening naturally, that you are even able to have a regular speaking, communicating relationship. Whereas if I were to contact out of nowhere, let's say, Raymond Sarlemagne, and be like, hey, want to be my mentor? When would we ever see each other? When do we ever talk? Uh, whereas you and Kat, you and Joe, you actually do talk. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's actually dance-related, like, you just kind of talk to each other like normal human beings. Imagine that. So then if it does come up, like, oh, here's this dance thing I'm working on, would you want to give it a second set of eyes, it doesn't feel out of place Mm-mm. or um, pressured. It's just like, oh, well, of course, yeah. We were talking about, like, whatever before, and now it's dance, and, you know, things just flow. Yeah. Number two, approach the relationship with clarity and directness. After finding a mentor, whether organically or intentionally, the student should clarify goals, roles, and expectations so the mentor can best guide them. The student should approach the relationship with a clearly defined goal, a question they need answered, or advice on how to get from point A to point B in their career search, says Cochran. It's a waste of a mentor's time for a student to present themselves with no idea of what they want or need. Before approaching a mentor, the student should be well aware of his or her career goals and reflect on how a mentor could help attain them. Once the student is prepared, he or she should outline the plan to the mentor in a clear and direct manner. Oluwatosin Adigbola, public relations educator at Baltimore's Morgan State University, tells her students to, quote, be upfront with what their goals and needs are of their relationship with their mentor. A mentorship relationship based on clarity and directness will ensure that both mentor and student are on the same page. That That's definitely something to consider. Um, I know when um, I was originally talking about like choreography, um, it threw me the first time I'm speaking with uh, Ruben Luna when he asked me, well, what do you want out of it? Why do you want to choreograph? And so the fact that I wasn't prepared to really answer that up front made me really think about it um you know I was I was able to really reflect quickly on that um so that was a very fortunate thing um but from there people who've asked me that uh when I'm asking for their feedback or their input since they have the experience um I'm able to answer well this is what I'm hoping to this is what I'm hoping to express for the dance. This is what I'm hoping to do. This is what I'm hoping uh, comes across. This is where I'm struggling and I'm not quite sold on it. Um, I want to play with it here, but I can't think of anything. Um, what do you have? Do you see anything that I can else that I'm missing, or am I good, or am I am I right when it comes to that spot, or anything like that? Um, it gives them a little bit more direction as to where to, uh, a little bit more instruction as to where to direct me. 
um, because I'm more familiar with what I'm trying to get out of it. So it's certainly important that you know you're you're clear to yourself first on what you're trying to accomplish to then find the best possible person for that response. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a, a quote that I'm going, <coughs> pardon me, uh, to pull up from Alice in Wonderland. And you might even, oh, there it is. You might even be able to predict which one this is. All right, so this is from Alice to the Cheshire Cat. Would you tell me, pl- oh, how about you just read the Ellis part? <laughs> <laughs> Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to. I don't much care where. Then it doesn't much matter which way you go. So long as I get somewhere. Oh, you're sure to do that. If only you walk long enough. There you go. Yeah, if you... uh if you're just kind of wandering aimlessly, then you're going to go somewhere, I suppose. <sighs> but you'll get there faster, and you'll know um, that you're on the right track if you actually have a destination in mind. Exactly. <clears throat> Once you've found a mentor. Number three, take initiative in the relationship. In the same way that it's the student's responsibility to approach a mentor, the student should continue to drive the relationship after it has been established. We definitely have to help our students understand that the mentor doesn't drive the relationship, the student does, says Cochran. A mentor is filled with knowledge, experience, and tips, and a student should actively seek out advice. After all, the relationship is built to bolster the student's knowledge. Instead of waiting for a mentor to offer advice, a student should take initiative and ask questions. Bola recommends asking any and all questions related to careers. Ask them questions that require them to divulge their trade secrets that lend themselves to benefit you directly. Over time, also ask questions that invite them to evaluate your ability to incorporate key strategies that they have shared along the way. Students should make the most of mentors by asking for input on ideas or decisions, too. It is rare to come across an expert who is willing to share insider tips with an inexperienced student, which is why mentors are so precious. As Cochran says, getting advice from someone who has, quote, been there, done that, is priceless. I ask all the time. I ask Kat, I ask Joe all the time. Whenever I have a question, whenever um, I have an idea, whenever I'm stressing out about teaching or whatever, oh, do you have any tips? What can I do? What can I focus on? How can I get past this? Um, because they have such a wealth of experience when it comes to so much in the dance community. Um, and like I, f- I almost feel bad half the time asking them because I'm like, I swear I've asked this a hundred times now and I'm not sure why, but, you know, it takes a moment. Um, I love hearing their stories about how they started or how they struggled or how they overcome something. Um, so I'm always asking them things. I'm also asking their opinions on, like, the choreography Uh, just because I trust that they know body safety and flow of music and flow of dance um, in a way that I'm still learning to understand. So I I am very blessed with that. Um, And obviously right now I'm just specifically talking about uh, Joe and Kat, but there's so many people out there. I mean, 
I know I've, I've sought Brenda's advice. I've talked to Rebecca Lee, you know, I mean, Ruben, Luna, John Lieberman. I mean, there's so many people out there that are so willing to give help when you ask. Um, and it's, we're, we're a very beneficial community in that sense. Um, I don't think I've ever met someone who in the community that doesn't want to help somebody else. <laughs> Um, and that kind of goes back a little bit more towards the um, organic relationship. I like the idea that the people who I consider mentors, mentoring is a bonus that I get from them. I consider them friends, first and foremost. And that's the important thing to me, that I'm friends with these people And I just so happen to also be able to ask them questions because they have such a wealth of knowledge. Hmm. I thought it was interesting where they're talking about trade secrets because I've thought about that specifically. I mean, it would be very difficult to to ask Guyton with like having zero relationship with him and him being in Florida. But with Rachel, I see things, I see patterns in some of her dances, not in terms of how the dances relate to each other, like things that she carries over, but concepts that she seems to apply, <clears throat> like setting up for one of those spots that hits really well. She doesn't just kind of jump from big spot to big spot. There will be almost like a foreshadowing for a few counts before the big thing happens. So it kind of prepares your mind for the thing that's going to happen right on the music. However, when I asked her at Windy City, where do you come up with these things for choreography? She said she didn't know. (laughs) And I, I believe that. Like She seems like somebody who's very in tune with her body and with music. So whatever happens just kind of happens. At this point, it's probably just instinct for her, less so like math or whatever. For me, it's still math. So, <laughs> uh, so I think what I would want to do in that case, if I were to ask her uh, less open-endedly, as this this uh, tip number three sort of suggests, uh, I think what I would do the next time I see her is note what I have found to be the case uh, after observing what seems to be happening in some of her choreography, and then ask whether or not she agrees. <laughs> Because she might not think, oh, yeah, that is what's going on. But she might identify it if it's brought to her. Maybe. Yeah. Number four. Be mindful of your mentor's time. Given that mentors gladly provide invaluable guidance, it makes sense that students would want to be in constant communication with them. However, mentors are not available around the clock since they have their own responsibilities. Mentors are often successful, busy people with families and lives to live, says Cochran. They want to help, sure, but they don't have unlimited amounts of time to spend on their mentees. To best benefit from a mentorship without burdening the mentor, students should aim to meet with mentors once every few weeks for no longer than an hour. To make the most of each visit, Adigbola tells students to, quote, be clear on what they need with each visit. If need be, write out three key main areas that they need addressed. The mentor will appreciate an obvious attempt at respecting their time and the desire to be organized and structured. For students who are unable to meet with mentors on a regular basis, CULP recommends email correspondences. 
There are many highly successful email mentoring relationships, which I fully endorse as a way to stay in touch, he says. Communication by email is oftentimes the most accommodating for mentors. Of course, culprit mind students don't overstay a welcome with a barrage of emails. <laughs> they say emails, but I know a lot of what I do is text messaging. Yep. Um, WhatsApp. Yeah. One of the... Some type of text sending form is certainly an easy way to go in the sense of, you know, if you ask a question or if you're outlining an idea or something like that, it's really easy just to send some type of message like that um, and know that they might not be able to get back to you right away. I mean, I know that was probably the hardest part of Can't Walk Away when we sent out the demo video originally to get feedback. And it was a very rough cut demo video. It was not the demo video that's currently out there. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to watch the full video with all the different locations, the original was the one where we were in the classroom. That classroom shot with, um, I'm wearing blue plaid, I don't recall what you're wearing. I've Possibly have fun, go mad shirt. Yeah, the steps are all on the uh, whiteboard directly behind us. That was our very first video. Yeah. Made it into the final cut. Um, <laughs> so waiting for the feedback on that, knowing that these people, one, have busy lives, two, um, are going to have to watch it more than once to really get an idea, um, possibly even try it on their feet just to see how it feels. Um, but waiting for that feedback, that was hard. That was hard not to like pursue anybody, you know, when I think there was a couple people who, we, we, were, we heard back from everybody. Um, and we heard back from everybody before we released it. But there was a few people there that, because of their busy life schedule, weren't able to get back to us until almost a week. So it was, it was certainly challenging waiting for that um, feedback. And it would have been easy to be like, so have you had a chance to look at it? Have you had a chance to look at it? What do you think? What are your, your takeaways? Um, it would have been really easy to send those messages. But I had to remind myself that these people have very busy lives. They are more than just choreographers. They are family people. They ha work regular jobs. I mean... And they're doing me jobs. a favor. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I had to remind myself to be patient with that. So, yeah, it's... Uh, having that kind of contact is invaluable, I would definitely say. Um, and certainly don't abuse it. Mm. But don't be afraid to use it either. Mm. One of the things I like about texting or just whatever kind of messaging that is an email is that you don't have to worry about all the salutation person's name how is such and such in your life here is this question that i had hope things are blah 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 sincerely blah text message hey so there's this thing that i was working on mind if i send you a video right <laughs> it's certainly more direct yes number five remain professional even though mentorships are meant to develop trust and closeness they are still professional relationships. A mentor is not a mom, dad, best friend, or nanny. They are a professional who can help you, says Hammond, but they expect a professional relationship in return. In most cases, they do not need to hear about college romances, social activities, or personal problems. 
They do want to hear about career plans, next steps, graduate school plans, and new ideas. Ideally, the relationship would become a friendship, but even so, all discussions should be about academics and careers. A mentor wants to know that a student is serious about the future, and inappropriate conversations will make the student come off as disrespectful and disinterested. That being said, a strictly professional relationship does not mean that a mentor is not invested on a personal level. Cochran says that, quote, the best mentors are, of course, those that do take a personal interest in the student and genuinely want to see them succeed. Yeah, I can, I can kind of see certain things on that. Um, it helps that me personally, I tend to be relatively choosy when it comes to, uh, I guess you could say, personal struggles and sharing the details of that kind of information with people. Um, most of my outward, you know, let people know is like, you know, like for instance, when I injured my calf, like everybody knew <laughs> we talked about it because it was dance related. Um, and it's an injury like that. It's not like, you know, I'm, I'm saying, Oh, so-and-so broke my heart, you know, so-and-so is not talking to me. It's like, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, they're not going to know who so-and-so is. Mm. So, um, yeah, like there's certain things where it's like, I, I don't feel right talking about that with certain people. Um, but at the same time, you know, I did say before that these people started out as my friends before they were my mentors. Um, and so like, you know, with a friendship, you do share a certain level of intimate knowledge, but I mean, yeah, not everybody needs to see your dirty laundry. Mm. And it can be made professional if something's going on and your friend in the dance world is like, okay, I've got this track. Try moving to it and see what happens because maybe it's about whatever your situation is. And by processing it in your body, you might be able to get the emotions a little more stabilized. Otherwise, yes, it just seems irrelevant to whatever your relationship is to get too deep into all that stuff. And also it can show a lack of self-control if if let's say what you need is to you know talk with someone but you don't have the discipline to wait for the person that you should be talking to to become available like your best friend from high school or whoever um then they will wonder well gosh like could they not just like hold back why are they unloading on me i'm not the person to talk to it's like talking to a person in line at target or wherever uh for way longer than you know the the length of your grocery checkout because you need to talk to someone and that's fine because I mean, as long as they're willing to humor you for that long that's okay it's not going to damage your relationship with the checkout person but you don't want to do that to somebody that you would prefer to have a sort of cleaner more streamlined relationship with just makes me think of the the question that we all fall into when it comes to like customer service base, which is the, hi, how are you doing today? Everybody says, I'm good, or I'm fine. Mm. Nobody's honest about that question because mm. nobody wants to divulge all of that information to a complete stranger. Mm. Um, so in that same sense, why would you do it to someone who is a mentor? Mm. 
I mean, unless you're like legit struggling with a project or um, in our case, like choreography or in instructed or like I need a new dance to teach. Um, like that's where you keep it that professional level. You know, what's your dog ate for breakfast? <laughs> really? Also, this can kind of apply to some of the things that we see on Facebook sometimes with ranting uh, in sort of a like an anti-person way. I find that as a as, as my news feed has um, changed over time, I see less of this. But sometimes people will just kind of scream at the world and you don't really like how that, I don't know, feels to like read that on your news feed amidst all these other happy things that's going on. And um, like there's definitely a constructive and positive way to say... I need help. Here's my here's the shorthand version of my situation. Uh, does anybody have any concrete, actionable stuff that I can do so that you know this can be behind me as soon as possible? And then there's like, oh gosh, everything's unfair. Why me? Everything's terrible, and everyone else just has it way better. And you all suck because you have it better. Blah 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 blah. I call it the my life is abysmal. Ah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a saying. Um, was it uh, don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now okay. or something, something along those lines and the idea is that it might feel really good in the moment to just let everyone have it but in the long run if that's not what you want to stand behind if that's not the kind of person you want to be seen as and it's not the kind of effect you want to have on your acquaintances and friends then Hold back. <laughs> um, remain professional, as the tip says. The, I, I've noticed that some of my favorite line dance personalities are the ones who you don't see on social media or just at events complaining to people about things and gossiping. They're the ones who, if you see anything at all from them, it's positive. Mm -hmm. And the ones I think of, um, the first come to mind are Rachel, Joe, Madison, Fred, Gary, like everything they post is something uplifting or happy about dance. I know even Jose will post things about his new house that he's been working on and how grateful he is that, you know, all these dances of his are in the Copper Knob top 10 or 20. Like those are the kinds of things that make you really happy to see. And as a professional, they make themselves the kind of people you want to hire for events. Yes, very you, much you so. want that energy, you want that positivity, and you want to bring that in front of an audience of dancers so that they can all share in that positivity. So, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's generally why like, I look up to you know, so many people that um, in the line dance community, and I'm willing to ask them the question, is because I see what they are putting into the community, and I want to contribute like that way as well mm -hmm. um and so obviously they figured out how to do it so that's why i'm drawn to those particular individuals mm -hmm. um because if there is a certain there's a huge huge thing and i, I posted just a couple days ago about um your power of thoughts mm. and one of the things i started to recently learn over the last few years is 
um, yes, there's going to be some really hard, hard things that you have to deal with in, in your life and you're not always going to be happy, but happiness is a choice. Mm. You can sit there and struggle by yourself in your deep, dark corner and hate the world and post on Facebook about how unfair life is, or you can get outside. You can meet new people. You can try new things. You can reach out to that friend that you haven't talked to in months and ask them how they are. Um, I know that I feel better when I'm able to give back before I ask for something. Um, Sometimes you just need to ask for help. And there's tons of, of ways you can do that. But with it being a choice, again... I acknowledge that there are some situations in which you are not going to be happy. Um, It's important to remember that you have to take the action. It's something that you have to decide, okay, well, I can sit here and wallow or I can go take my dog for a run. You know, it can be little things. Um, Take the little wins where you can get them. Once you do that, then it starts, your actual thought process starts changing. I noticed it um, a few years back for myself when I started trying to find the positive in everything. Um, I started just naturally seeing it. And there was something I was talking actually with my sister, I believe, yesterday about how um, I used to be one of those people that ranted and raved on you know, and complained all over Facebook, social media, until I started to realize that that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want people to see me as. Um, And so I started taking the actions to change that. I let that customer that drove me up the wall bug me for all of five minutes. Then I let it go. Nobody needs to know that, you know, some customer was mean to me today. Mm -hmm. Um... If I just chalk it up to maybe they're having a bad day, you know, maybe there's something that happened to them on the way in that forced them to act this way. And it made me be a little bit more understanding so I could be a little bit more of a open and positive person. And when I see the leaders in our community doing the same thing, it just really encourages me to keep doing that. Um, the examples they set for sure. And so it's one of those things where I want to be proud of myself and I want to be proud to represent what I represent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think (coughs) finding like-minded mentors really, really helps with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned about happiness being a choice, uh, that made me think like one of the first reactions that a person who is accustomed to ranting and whatnot, uh, one of the things that they might react with is, well, why should I censor myself? Like I'm just being myself. I shouldn't have to change. I don't want to be fake with people, but who you are is subject to change and who you are or who you consider yourself to quote be like, this is how I am. That can be shaped and chosen by yourself. Like you don't have to think you're being manipulated by the happiness police or something like you can decide for yourself this is something i want to 
move away from, this is something I want to move toward. And then when you say, I'm just being myself, what that means is, oh yeah, I'm just being a happy, positive, optimistic person that looks for the best in things. That's me being myself. Like you don't have to default to ranting and being angry and looking for blame all the time. Also, was that? I was going to say, absolutely not, yeah. Um, also, you mentioned uh, pride, and I think about that even sometimes just with driving. I have yet to order magnets for um, the sides of my car, because sometimes I think about, like, oh, gosh, that you know my brakes just took me, you know, took the hood of the car a little over into the crosswalk, and I wouldn't want someone to look at the sides of my car and think, oh, line dancers like I wouldn't want that to reflect on the community in any in any unpleasant way uh, just because I made a choice that I you know am not the most proud of while on the road I would hope that if I were driving um, with that you know emblazoned on the side doors then I'm you know a model driver I let everyone else go first and I always wait exactly three seconds at every stop sign and so on I would want to um, to overall just live the kind of life that you know I could be 100% proud about. That way I can staple line dance to all my clothes and hats and boots. And I actually don't wear as many boots, but you get the idea. I do. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I know what you're talking about. Like, when I put on my Dancing with Brenda shirt, mm-hmm. or I put on my uh, Boots and Buckles Bay Area Connection, mm-hmm. or... Um, now I have the Michael and Michelle's Boogie Till the Cows Come Home shirt. I mean, I have so many shirts. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of I'm now representing them mm-hmm. as well. So I want to hold myself to an even higher standard because these are people that I view not only as friends but as mentors. Mm-hmm. So I want to represent them in a good way. I want to be professional. I want to be courteous. I want to show people... Um, that not only do I take a pride in a sense um, in myself, but also that I want to do right by those who have sponsored me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to be like Darth Vader for Obi-Wan, where he feels bad about what he did and um, how far his student fell from the tree. Exactly. Number six. Avoid relying on mentors to solve all problems. Mentors are available to guide and to help, but they shouldn't be doing all the work. Adig Bola says that a common misconception about mentorship relationships is that a mentor gives the student the playbook on how to succeed. This is impossible as the person on the journey is the key determinant for their success. Mentors can give the best insight, but it is still up to the students to apply the knowledge to their own futures. Students should think of mentors as experts who assist in professional growth, not as all-knowing problem solvers. Mentors cannot get students a job, Culp says. They can provide advice, and they sometimes can open doors, but students have to ultimately stand on their own two feet. Preparing to enter the workforce can be nerve-wracking, but it's a process that all students have to experience for themselves. Mentors can keep students from making mistakes, but they cannot build futures. As Hammond says, mentors are guides in the wilderness of work, but they do not carry the pack or set up the camp. A couple things that come to mind for me are you can co-choreograph with people and just like have your name alongside them, but the person that you co-choreographed with is not going 
well, I mean, they shouldn't be expected to have to, teach every lesson of that dance. You, at some point, will have to develop the skill set to teach confidently to a group of people. Um, you also need to develop the personality that gets, like we just said, hired at events. Because your co-choreographer might be Joe or someone amazing like that, and and they are the one who you know people would want to have at their you know dinner with the instructors and things like that and you hiding or cursing at the world or whatever off in your corner um, are just because your name's on that sheet doesn't mean that you have that skill set that makes you entitled to be hired just like they would uh, whatever it is that they are doing that you're associated with does not automatically rub off on you you still have to become the professional like madison is um you know with rachel like they act very similarly uh in their speech patterns and their sharp movements and those are things that madison developed on her own like she couldn't just be expected um to to know those things because she danced with simon and rachel a couple times she had to put in actual work Mm -hmm. and that's, I guess, what I'm seeing from this this tip, avoid relying on mentors to solve all problems. You have to eventually write your own step sheet. You can't just send things to them all the time. Um, what else do you have to do? What are your responsibilities as a, as a standalone person who has been helped? Because we've definitely been helped with writing step sheets. We've been helped with um, seeing what good examples are of instruction and little tips to throw in like Kat uh, has done. Uh, Rachel has talked about uh, performance mm. demos. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Joe with her just sparkling personality and seeing the positive. Like those are the kinds of things that you want to find out. How does she do that? And how can I do that myself? It's, it's also another thing when you're saying like, how do they do it? Great. Okay. So I've got this bullet pointed list. It's on a flashcard. I'll keep it in my pocket. And then I'll just do nothing to change myself. I'll just know that if anybody asks... I can show them this bullet-pointed <laughs> list. That's how people should be. Right. Um, you know, the <clears throat> solving all problems is, is certainly one of those things that I know a lot of people fall into the trap of. Um, because it's so much easier for someone else to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's just easier if they give me all the answers as opposed to just point me in the right direction and I will walk and I will stumble and I will fall, but I will get back up. Um, this is saying I like no one can do your push-ups for you. Exactly. Um, I know for me, uh, one of the things that came like problem wise, uh, one of the <laughs> things that came up recently was, um, dealing with my nerves for instruction. Um, and I had asked, a few people just kind of like, how do you, what do you do to like deal with that? Do you just shove it to the back of your mind? Do you have any like breathing techniques? I mean, what, what do you do? I got a little bit of feedback. Um, ultimately, which is breathe and have fun. If you're having fun, they'll have fun. Um, and I went with it and I tried it out and it seemed to work pretty well the other night. And so I'll take it as a win. Uh, but for that, like that's not something that they could technically solve for me. They can give me suggestions, but I'm the one who had to then take the suggestions and weigh them in. And it's like, okay, well, should we try that, or should we try this, or should we try this? Uh, what, what should I try? You know, um, I'm I'm definitely the type of person that likes to 
find the best possible solution. So I tried all of the suggestions I was given um, at different times so that I f could see a difference. Um, and, you know, it's all invaluable feedback that I got. And so applying it was my choice, was my responsibility from there. Um, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't their problem to solve. It was my problem to solve. Mm -hmm. um, which also means that if it hadn't worked out, it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. It's what works for them. Doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for you. Um, yeah, I, like, I don't think we can get away with saying some of the things about accents that Fred does because we don't have them. <laughs> At least here. If we go to Ireland, we have accents. That's true. Yeah, we can pronounce our hard American R's. <laughs> right? Um, Even Madison does that when she says, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think the reason why a lot of people fall into the trap of expecting other people to solve their problems is also so that they don't have to take any of the blame mm -hmm. if it doesn't work out. Um, it's, like I said, it's easier, and if it doesn't work out, well, I didn't do it, it was them, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you take the responsibility for yourself, you start to figure out what works for you, and then pretty soon, you're not going to need to ask them the basic questions. You're going to be able to be more detailed, um, which helps you grow. It helps them grow as well, because they have are now answering a a higher level difficulty question. So, um, yeah. All right. Number seven, reciprocate. All relationships require contributions from both sides, and mentorship relationships are no different. While the relationship between a mentor and student is largely for the student's benefit, he should still do his best to reciprocate in some manner. The core of the relationship is learning, says Hammond, but the relationship demands reciprocity. What can you do for them? How can you help? A student should always ask what they could do to add value to the relationship and not just focus on what they might get. Mentors probably do not need to learn about careers, but they may want input on how to effectively give advice. Students sometimes don't understand that mentors are also in the relationship for a reason, says Cochran. They want to help, and if a student doesn't let them know that their advice is working, there's not a lot of motivation for the mentor to continue the relationship. A mentoring relationship is a two-way street, and both of the participants should benefit by sharing knowledge. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I know one of the things with the feedback from the teach that I did, that I got everybody's input on how to get over my nerves, I contacted a few people and said, you know, thank you so much, I tried this and it worked. Um, the teach went great. I know... Um, I sent a video to Joe of one of the teaches that I had taught that she'd give me a little bit of advice about. Um, and I, you know, I was like, basically I said like, you know, it seems like everybody had a really good time. And for the most part, everybody was getting the dances, which means that I did my job. Um, and so like that gives them that idea of here's what you gave me. Here's the advice. Here's how I applied it. See the response. Mm -hmm. Um, which helps them, you know, figure out, okay, good, that was good advice. Or, okay, I'm sorry that didn't work, let's try something else. Mm 
Um, it's it's crucial also in my opinion is I mean obviously you don't have to go crazy with this but to show a level of gratitude towards them mm-hmm. and thank them when things worked out you know sometimes publicly I've noticed that uh, people do that a lot on Facebook and it sort of multiplies the effect of whatever it was that they did because normally if you just thank a person one on one which is fine. Uh, then they receive whatever warmth they're getting from the one person that they helped. But if you thank them publicly and all the gajillions of people on Facebook and the social media land see what the person did, uh, then now they're getting all these likes and loves and whatever from all those other people as well. Like they are being publicly seen as a generous and giving person. So then that, that warmth is now like whole bunch more candles instead of just one yep also one thing I've noticed um, we've talked to many choreographers um, one uh, actually I want to say one two three at least three of whom have described themselves as shy yes Uh, one of whom has described um, that person's self as uh, sometimes coming across as scary or like intense and your skill set is neither of those. <laughs> you you do not come across as shy or scary. You play. And I think that's one of the ways you're able to intentionally or not reciprocate. Because they are giving you the benefit of their skill sets, whether it's like smoothness or precision, uh, confidence. You are able to share back the willingness just go nuts and get loose and, and play and not be scary or shy. So you always have something to offer, Radio Land. You, whatever it is that uh, that you are receiving from the other person, uh, think about what it is that you are and who you are and what comes most naturally for you and see whether that's something you can bring into the mentor's life. True. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Routinely update the mentor on professional successes. Once a student's professional life takes off, correspondences will become less frequent and the relationship will begin to plateau. However, students should continue to inform mentors about accomplishments and advancements. CULP recommends students check in, quote, at least twice a year to update mentors on progress. Mentors will be happy to hear of their students doing well and to know what their, that their advice was useful. A good mentor can provide an experienced perspective that a student can benefit from when making decisions about their path, says Cochran. After the path has been paved with the help of a mentor, students should, quote, thank them often for the help they received. So, it's a little bit different because I consider all of my line dance mentors friends. Mm-hmm. So we stay in contact pretty regularly. Oh, yeah. Um... I do share any of the, you know, my successes with uh, choreography or with teaching or anything like that with them for sure. Um, But what comes to mind when you were reading that is I have been blessed with a couple teachers throughout my life. Um, And since they made such an impact on me, I apparently made an impact on them in some way um, that they actually when they uh, see my mom 
or something like that. They'll ask how I've been. Um, and my mom will give them the regular updates since I don't actually have the, um, the direct communication with them anymore. And, you know, like my mom will contact me in some way, shape, form, and she'll be like, oh, you know, I ran into your teacher so-and-so, which, I mean, some of these teachers are like my first grade teacher. Like, you know, it's been someone who's been in my life for years, um, and they still ask how I've been. And, you know, when my mom gives them updates, you know, they get really, really excited and to hear that I'm doing all these crazy things. Um, I've talked with a couple teachers in high school that have made such a huge impact on me and been like, hey, you know what? I just want to thank you for everything you taught me because I was able to apply it here, um, you know, 12 years down the road. So it's, it's a good feeling, I know, um, to be asked about. So I certainly like hearing about my teachers that have made, you know, like that I've considered mentors in the past. Um, but what's really cool is how excited they get when I give them any type of information on positive things that are going on in my life. Um, it's a really neat feeling. So I like the idea of staying in contact with your mentor even after, you know, like, the professional side of it may have, you know, ceased to exist, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, but again, like in the line dance community, I mean, these people are my friends, so I don't plan on um, not talking to them more than at least, at least minimum once a month. Mm. So. Yeah, Facebook uh, posts also count, I think, because <clears throat> the post that I did recently of um, when I went to the Relay for Life event and, and demoed Power Mix. Uh, that seemed to get quite a reception. Um, anyway, I think in a way it can be validating for the people who have helped in whatever way, like Kat with teaching tips and things like that. Uh, or what Rachel was saying about uh, how demos are different. Like when you get into the zone for just doing a dance, that's fine. You're just dancing for you. Uh, when you're demoing you sort of want to bring in the people around you, bring in the audience, make a little more eye contact. And that's the sort of thing that I think came across in the photos that were taken of that demo when I was demoing Power Mix. Because you could see me, I remember feeling it too. I mean, of course I just love that dance, so I was just happy to be doing it. But I made more of a conscious effort to, like, if I felt like I was smiling on the inside, make sure I was also smiling on the outside. Because sometimes I can think something is happening, and then it doesn't come across in a photo or video at all. Um, so, if I was feeling something, I wanted it to show. And I think when people give you those kinds of notes, and then they see you actually take action on it, they are happy that they gave you the note, and they might be more willing to give you further ones in the future because they saw how ser <clears throat> seriously you took the one that they gave you before. Yeah. This article, by the way, on nerdwallet.com was written by Yesenia Rascon. And the title of this article is Expert Advice, Eight Tips for Getting the Most Out of a Mentor. We have a follow-up article here, also about mentors. Ten killer questions to make the most of your mentor meeting. This one was written by Bert Gervais, founder of Success Mentor Education. 
and this is somehow associated also with Young Entrepreneur Council. This, po uh, this article was published on Forbes.com. So, you finally mustered the nerve to ask a mentor for a cup of coffee. You're sweating. You can feel pressure mounting. She strolls through the Starbucks door, holding an Americano with two pumps of hazelnut in one hand and years of experience in the other. Here are ten questions you can ask her to take the pressure off you and make the most of your meeting. Number one, how do you spend most of your time? Ask this question for one reason only, digging. Does your mentor have children? A favorite charity she supports? Or an addiction to a particular Mediterranean cuisine? Most people who ask for advice never take the time to build an authentic connection. Gathering these answers will allow you to follow up with relevant articles, magazine clippings for passion projects, or recipes for your mentor who will appreciate hearing from you. Givers gain. One of our choreographer mentors actually mentioned looking for a specific style of music that she is less known for. And in a way, it's almost like how professors have grad students that can do a bunch of work for them. If it's pretty low-level stuff, like you know, the professor might have to write the, the overall article, but you know, students can do research, we are very happy to go looking for music for pretty much anyone who asks, because we do it all the time already. Sometimes things aren't the best fit for either of us, but it's still a good track and somebody should do something to it. If we have mentors out there or prospective mentors out there <laughs> who have um, uh, a desire to discover some new music for themselves, then we would definitely, I'm sure, be happy to do the same for them. It just makes me think of um, one of the questions that uh, we've recently been asking during interviews mm. is the what's your guilty pleasure mm -hmm. um, outside of line dance mm -hmm. and I like asking that question because of the fact that it's it's a personal question towards the individual that they can take pride in the fact that it doesn't have to be dance related mm -hmm. um, that it shows that we see them as more than a, just a dancer or an instructor or a choreographer um, that we see them as a human being too. So asking like, what do you do in your spare time? Um, what other projects are you interested in outside of this kind of stuff? It just builds that rapport and it's really nice. Um, and it certainly shows an interest in the other person. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I've learned is if you can get a person talking about themselves, you learn so much more than if you just ask one or two direct questions. Mm -hmm. Also, I like that it's phrased, how do you spend most of your time? Because for some folks, like I'm very fortunate to say this is the case for myself, uh, that that isn't... Like when people say, like, what do you do? Or like, what is your job? That says very little about me. Because yes, I do have the guitar gigs that I do, and I enjoy them. I pretty much leave them there once once I have left, and I don't really do a lot of homework. I don't uh, I don't sit and practice arpeggios or whatever on my guitar. I really don't play the guitar at all once I'm home. Uh, a lot of my practice, if there is practice, is just doing it. <clears throat> so since that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If somebody says, how do you spend most of your time? I'm going to tell them it's probably dance-related. Right. Like, Thursday is our, our long day of, you know, sometimes we'll go to Dolly's beginner class in the morning, 
and then we've got the show in the afternoon, and then we have either Hot Monk or Twin Oaks for teaching in the evening, and then the weekend, who knows where we are. Maybe we're in Colorado Springs, maybe we're in Florida, maybe we're in LA, like (laughs) Reno might be coming up. Like that is all gonna be, you know, dance, uh, depending on the weekend, just like consecutive days of it. So how do you spend most of your time Ideally, you you would get to a point where it's not, well, I go to this job Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and then the thing that I actually care about that I totally marginalize because that's my choice mm-hmm. is this other thing. Like, you want to eventually say that you spend most of your time doing the thing that you want to talk more about. Yeah, I agree. It also can can can, can kind of be a reality check for people who do marginalize their passion project and if you if you say how do you spend most of your time then they can kind of realize to themselves oh i'm i'm not spending most of my time on the thing that i wish i were maybe i should work on that so that i can give them a, a different answer next time yeah number 2 what would you do if you were me Don't waste your time looking to impress your mentor with how smart you are. Tell them about your specific challenges and ask for their recommendations. Yeah, I pretty much do that. Mm -hmm. I I tell them how, you know, like, I have nerves doing this or I'm struggling with this part here or um, this is is where I'm hoping to take this and for whatever reason I'm not seeing the bridge to do that. Um, What am I missing? Mm -hmm. Um, very specific questions for them to give feedback on. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, one thing I just noticed from last night's lesson, or lessons, lesson and review, was that like, if, if I were to give somebody like backstory, um, if... Like, here's where I am. Here's where I am teaching-wise. Here's my experience level. Uh, what would you do knowing that this is all I have done as somebody who has taught, like, one lesson or two lessons or whatever? Um, I do have a little more experience with teaching at, say, like, line dance club. And usually what I do there is if I'm teaching to, like, the whole group, that's, like, two rows. So if I were to try to think about the way I taught the lessons last night with like a packed floor, (laughs) um, I don't even know how many people were on that floor, but it was probably, if I had to think about it, it was, it wasn't even like rows after a while. It was just like this congealed mass of people. Um, probably about, maybe around 50, 50 or more. I couldn't see the back rows at all. But when I think about the way that I taught, it was pretty much teaching to the second or third row and just louder. <laughs> uh, so if um, if I were, like, let's say to give somebody advice uh, based on how, like, if I were them and all I had ever taught was small classes, like for you, um, when you were teaching at uh, our house, the 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 letter R and then the word house for at-risk youth, I would probably say something, okay, so what are the things you think about? What are the things that put you at ease when you're teaching those students? How can you apply that to this larger group? Um, I guess I just sort of instinctively did that with the masses of people at Stonings because honestly, I just didn't have time. I was like, I had to get in and out. I didn't have time to 
overthink it or worry about, oh, this is more people, therefore it's going to be harder. I was just kind of teaching to the two or three rows I'm used to. And like I said, I just did it louder. <laughs> and I kept an eye on the people in the back. And, you know, when we went to the next wall, I could get in front of them and they could see what my feet were doing. Um, but other than that, not really much else changed. Uh, I just kind of built on where I, where I was comfortably already. And that's probably the advice somebody would have given me. Uh, you know, what... Uh, what would they do if they were in my position? They would probably say, okay, well, you've taught at Line Dance Club. Just do that there. Yeah. I, I noticed um, specifically Stoney's related. Um, when it's a jam-packed floor, Cat uh, will travel the floor. Mm-hmm. She'll dance in the middle. She'll dance on the sides just as she's teaching, just so that she gets all of those people. And that would be one thing that, I mean, observantly, that's what I've picked up. But I'm assuming that that would be one of those things where, you know she would give feedback in that sense of make sure that, you know, um, you're asking, does anybody have questions? Can everybody see? Do you need me to come over to you and mm-hmm. go over it real quick? Yep, or something out. like that. Um, whereas I'm used to having a handful of people who can always see me because there's so much room. Mm-hmm. So I, I can definitely see where like certain things like that, where she's like, you know, we'll do this, but then add just these one or two little things. One thing I like also about this question is that it can help the mentor get out of their own head if they are having whatever issues they are in life. But of course, they're such professionals, they would never tell you. Uh, By saying, what would you do if you were me? They can be in the life of a 30-something-year-old and imagine what is it like to be such and such person. Then your problems might be easier to solve than their own life ones that they're stuck with they can just choose to solve yours instead and um, kind of take a little vacation from themselves. Yeah. Number three, how can I help you? This is a killer question that catches most mentors off guard. Most mentees are only concerned about what they can take from a mentor. When you communicate that you are genuinely willing to give, you will set yourself miles apart from everyone else. Who doesn't like a win-win relationship? And I disagree with this question. Hmm. You just put way too much pressure on the mentor. As opposed to knowing the mentor's uh, strengths, their passions, their interests. I feel that you need to word it differently. Hmm. Not what can I do for you, but... Here's what I'm willing to do for you. Aha, yes. Yeah, because you are doing the work. You're doing the legwork. You're being creative, and you're just giving them the option to say yes or no. Exactly. As opposed to, how can I... It's it. You're like, they're going to be... Oh, God. Okay, well... I don't even know where to start on what I need. I don't know this person well enough to know what their strengths are just yet. Mm -hmm. What's Um, their experience? Can they handle things like inventory of my shirts? Exactly. Um, Whereas, you know, for instance, um, as I'm getting better with teaching, that would be one of those things where I could be like, and if you ever needed to find a substitute, I would be willing to fill in... um, after I've gotten a little bit of experience. You know, something like that is a whole easier solution for them than say, well, tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. 
you know. Because you've just given them more work. Now not only do they have their own work, they have the work of finding you work. Exactly. Um, a perfect example, uh, just in general, I've asked people, um, can I get you anything? As they're like, you know, dying on the floor, on the side of the floor, or whatever. Um, and the, they t- generally be like, no, no, no. As opposed to, can I get you some water real quick? I'm going to go grab some water for me. Did you want me to grab you one? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, yeah, sure, please. Because mm-hmm. it takes that thought process out of it for them to figure out, well, what do I need? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe they need a towel and they won't think about that until you say towel. Yeah, exactly. So um, having that specific, can I get you this? Can I do this for you? Um here's what I'm offering you out of this mm-hmm. is a whole lot easier for them than, uh, well, figure it out and tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also they don't know what's easy or difficult for you. Like they might think that um, that asking you to fill in would be, oh, well, all they have to do is show up, so piece of cake, that's what I can ask them to do. And you might not feel at all ready for that. Whereas they might think, oh, I can't ask them for help with like a website or social media stuff. Like that's, and you hire professionals for that. And I, I don't know I, the first thing about it. So like, what are the odds that they would? Whereas if you're an introvert or that's just your skill set, then that would be the easiest thing in the world for you right. to do. And you would love to do something like that. <clears throat> but they don't know until you offer. Yeah, absolutely. Number four. Is this where you thought you would end up? This question usually draws out a hearty laugh, as few people shoot from point A to point B. Most experienced professionals take the scenic route in their career. How they got here is usually an interesting tale with mistakes and revelations. Learn from them. I do like this question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm used to asking it slightly different. Mm-hmm. I normally ask, um, how did you end up here? Mm-hmm. But I like that it's word, worded, is this where you thought you would end up? Mm-hmm. Um, I like hearing people's journeys. I like seeing that they're human, mm-hmm. that they're not just, you know, robots or aliens that have just, you know, been plugged into their positions. I mean, um, there's Roy, but... Well, yeah. You should see his robot, by the way. If anybody <laughs> hasn't, go on YouTube. Um, it gets them to talk about them a little bit and shows you their experiences more than what you already have preconceived to be. Um, they tend to have, like they said, some pretty good stories. Not, I'm, I'm a big story person. Yeah, we've definitely met some storytellers um, in the last month or so between John, Jamie... And to some extent, Jen. Oh, and also Trevor. Trevor. Yes. Um, They definitely are aware of, like, where life has taken them to the point that they can structure it really well for people who want to find out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think John's story, I'd love to do a follow-up interview with him, uh, because I interviewed him, how long ago now? At least a year ago. Well over a year. And... I didn't really know how much he has put into the line dance life. And he's got Super J Mart. He travels all the time. So he especially would have an interesting, deep story of how did he get here. Like, not everybody is able to make this a full-time thing. Not everybody even wants to. Yeah. 
So I, I'd definitely like to get more, more of that story from him and then share it with all of you <laughs> lovely listeners out there. Number five. What used to be your biggest weaknesses? This whopper of a question will tell you right away if someone will make a good mentor. A good answer reveals the number one trait of a great mentor. Self-awareness. If you feel this question is too intense, try softening it by asking, what did you learn about yourself in the last six months? I like both of those questions. As do I. <laughs> Actually, I think you need to put that in your interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it's the what used to be your biggest weakness, showing that all of our weaknesses are skills that we have just yet to discover how to apply mm. um, or overcome in that sense. Um, I like the idea of what have you learned about yourself in the last six months, because um, I'm a big believer that a student's never done learning. Mm-hmm. Even if they're teaching. Yeah. Regardless if they're a mentor, a teacher, um, a master, however you want to apply that particular term. Um, I, yeah, I always say that if I'm, if I'm done learning, then I'm dead. Hmm. So there's always more to learn. There's always more to gain. And, you know, self-awareness is, is certainly a crucial thing um, that I think more people should be focused on. Hmm. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I like the idea of, of seeing that what used to be um, something that they struggled with gives me hope that there's things that I can still overcome. It also helps flesh out their, their journey story more because if they just tell you, here's how I got from there to here, in your mind you just picture, okay, so this amazing person that they are now, they, they were that 25 years ago, and, uh, and everything was easy, and they just kind of went through all the steps, and now they're here. But when they talk about their, what used to be their biggest weaknesses, then you find out that 25 years ago, their life was totally different, and they weren't just this person but younger. They were this other person who needed to become the person they are now. And having this question can make that journey seem more real and more relatable. Mm-hmm. I agree. <clears throat> Number six, who else would you recommend I connect with? This question might be better served for later meetings when there is more trust. It can exponentially expand your network. Sometimes the best source for other mentors is your existing one. Yeah, I, I get see that. I get this sometimes with asking people, who else should I interview? Because sometimes I'll just look at the people on staff and think, okay, well... Uh, they're my go-tos, and I haven't interviewed this or that person yet, so I, I'll see if they're available. What I don't know always is um, that there is somebody very special in attendance, like Charlotte Skeeters was at Boogie, Boogie Till the Cows Home Home, uh, Michael and Michelle's event, and I wish that we had had the the time to like get together and do an actual interview, but I wouldn't have known she was there at all if somebody hadn't pointed her out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, step five, six, seven, eight in Colorado Springs. Yes. She, is a, she has a pseudonym. How would I possibly have known that she was there? Right. Somebody had to go and say, hey, so this person's doing interviews. I think you'd be a good interview. Do you want to talk about it? And then that's how that happened. Yeah, no, I actually, I really like that story um, because we were told about <laughs> step six, uh, five, six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
because she was friends with who we were interviewing at the time, our interviewee went to her and said, you need to introduce yourself to them. Mm. And so that's where that came from. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad we, we had that connection. But yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's, it, you know, we wouldn't have known otherwise. Mm. So, yeah. And, yeah. Sometimes the less obvious people, um, in the mentor sense as well, sometimes the less obvious people are the, the ones who maybe know the most but don't show the most. Mm-hmm. Like a Joanne Brady type person where she has taught for so many years that I'm sure she's just got all kinds of wisdom. And uh, from her interview with Line Dance Podcast, you know, people can see exactly what that is. But if you just see her among all the other dancers, assuming nobody's egging her on and she's not <laughs> making a, a Joanne of herself, uh, which I just love to see. Right. Um, it, she would just look like any other dancer who's there because she doesn't have like the big flowy Joe shirts or the sparkly uh, Rachel boots or the zebra pants. Like she just looks like she's dancing with everyone else. And uh, I know Michael and Michelle can be like that as well, where, except for with Michael, there aren't that many like guys who are at events, especially moving the way that he does. Right. So <laughs> he kind of does stand out. Um, but uh, yeah, like some of these folks, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that they have been like pillars of the line dance community for decades until somebody tells you. So you need to ask people, please tell me who should I talk to? Yeah, especially being new. Like mm-hmm. I mean. I remember Vegas, I didn't know anybody from anybody. You know, it's like, I may have heard a name here and there, but ultimately it was kind of like, huh? Mm. Who? What? And, you know, like you would point out, oh, that's so-and-so. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and, and that was that would be where I, I would start to identify people. And you're like, oh, they did this. Or, oh, they did that. Or this is, or they're in charge of this. Or they run that. Or... Um, I met them last year, and they do this, 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 and that. You know, it's like you gave me that little bit of background to them, so that I could start connecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't have known had you not pointed them out. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly, yeah. Number seven. What are you most proud of? Give your mentor a chance to shine. He or she will love you for it. I feel like Joe would say Anna. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I could see that. That would be a very easy, quick response out of her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, it's it's fun to find out, like, what are you most proud of? Um, I would almost... I would uh, probably add on to that and, um, like, what accomplishment did you put like the most work into that you got the most out of or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the idea of, of people getting a chance to talk about things that bring them pride and joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can also give you surprising answers from people. Like if a person is known for being a DJ and you find out that they once choreographed some hit dance, that might be the thing that stuck with them this whole time. Even if they choreograph great or not choreograph, uh, even if they DJ great sets at every event they go to, what they really might feel was an accomplishment for them because it was out of their comfort zone or something uh, right. that can be that can be something you wouldn't expect but you know uh, give them a chance to expound on um, uh, similarly you know dancers can can put on events 
and everything can run smoothly and maybe they don't even teach on staff but they're just so happy that everyone had a good time that can be what they were proud of not all their hit dances and all the thousands of people they've taught but how they made this space for other people to fill yeah yeah number eight what professional organizations are you associated with and in what ways No one becomes a rising star in any industry without going to the right conferences and trade associations. A good mentor can help you filter out the best ones, and if you're lucky, get you access to coveted invite-only insider groups. Um, For this, it's a little bit trickier because it's not necessarily organizations, but like what events maybe they're involved with. Um... Obviously, there are a few different associations. Yeah, um. I was thinking New Line. I would love to interview somebody who's involved in New Line. N-U and then Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a large group of people who do that in Australia. And I don't really know that much about it. I would like to know what that entails. Also, people who do work with NTA, doing uh, teaching uh, accreditations. Yeah. I'd like to know how you get involved in something like that, how much you need to know, educationally speaking, before you can be part of it and not just take classes from it. Um, Masters in Line, they they have changed since the original group that uh, Pedro, Paul, Rachel, and Rob were all part of, and now I guess it still exists in some form because they're the group that puts on World Dance Masters in Blackpool in August. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few of these groups out there, and... Uh, I mean, it's nothing like those those uh, groups that you see in, like, the hip-hop videos where, like, the, the kinjas and whatnot, where they come out in their matching outfits and they do all this cool stuff. Uh, but there are still these, you know, loose bands here and there. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice to know what benefits, what benefits does one have from being part of something like that? Um, how do you, once you're part of it, how do you bring something to it like how are you able to influence the group from the inside Um, and then would there would there be a benefit in trying to get yourself into something like that how would you do that yeah Um, I was talking about like events or whatever because there are so many different events um, that go on that it would be kind of cool to see like who's involved in which events Um, because that Again, you know, if you're, there's a difference between hosting an event and being a teacher at an event and being an attendee at an event. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's if it's something that they host, then you can learn more about it than if it's just something they attend, or you learn just different things about it. Um, versus like, oh, this is one thing that I, you know, I te- I've taught at for the last twenty years or something like that. You can find out more information about these events. I mean, for instance, uh, we were in Palm Springs, and that's when um, we really found out the most about Boogie Tales of the Cows Come Home. So we're like, no, we need to go to that event. Um, and, you know, from there, we learned about uh, another event and then another event. And so it's certainly a way to broaden your knowledge and your um, horizons by finding people that are directly related um, to the particular events that go on. Number nine, anything form, F-O-R-M. 
FORM is an acronym for Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Motivation, and it represents four universal rapport builders. For example, you might find out that you have a location-based connection with your mentor after asking about his family or birthplace. Connection made! <coughs> okay, yeah, I mean, that's just building, in general, a rapport with someone. And we talked about some of these, like occupation, how you spend most of your time, recreation, um, that's kind of the same thing if spending most of their time is more fun than occupation. Um, family could end up being like what they're most proud of, but I like that they they put motivation in there because I do have a lot of curiosity about people like Rachel. Like, why is their work ethic so strong? What did they What did they do growing up that made them feel like doing more is worth the extra sweat and making everybody? Uh, the happiest they could be at one of these events is like the ultimate goal, not just dance and go to your room. Like, right. How did they get to be the way that they are? Same goes for Joe. Like, what makes her able to look at things so positively and with such kindness? Because I don't see that in so many just, you know, everyday people who will dwell on the negative or complain about one thing or another. Like, how is she this way? Yeah. I like the idea of, like, what motivates you or um, where do you think your motivation comes from? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, I like questions. I ask a lot of questions. And I always chalk it up to um, I don't know any better. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask, uh, you know, because, like, People can choose not to answer a question. They don't have to answer all the questions. Um, but you're never even going to have a shot if you don't ask. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to find out all this information if you don't a- if you don't ask about it? Mm-hmm. It's um, like you can't play the wall. Or you can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. Exactly. <clears throat> um, so I like the idea of asking about like the occupation, the family, the recreation, and the motivation. I think that that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. I like that it's an acronym, too. It's very easy to remember. Right. Number 10. If a specific question comes up, can I follow up with you? This is your holy grail question. Have you ever met someone who has mastered the dating scene? You'll notice they never leave the first date without the promise of a second one. Ever. Never leave a mentor meeting without the promise of a future encounter. You are also communicating that you will only reach out with a relevant and specific question. Most people will agree to that. When the time does come up, simply refer back to the email chain. I like that everybody on the podcast has given me some kind of contact information when I say, if people want to follow up with you, if people had other questions, where could people get in contact with you? I have never, that I recall, in however many episodes had somebody say, oh, I really don't like when people email me, so just don't. Right. Don't I mean, try. what, even Rachel said, if I don't respond, do you email me again? Yeah. You know, so I, that's one of the huge blessings in our particular community is people are so willing to answer questions. They want to help. They want people to enjoy themselves. They want people to learn. Um, that's why they do what they do is because they love it. Um, and they want others to enjoy it and love it as well. So it's certainly one of those things where 
um, how can I follow up with you is the best way to do it because some people aren't comfortable giving out their email or their phone number or their Facebook. Some people are willing to give out all of it. So it just, as opposed to, can I get your number in case I have any questions? That's a little bit different than how can I follow up with you? That gives them the option to be like, well, you can reach me here or here or all of these places. Mm -hmm. So this article again was written by Mr. Bert Gervais. Not really sure how to pronounce that, but probably Gervais, entitled 10 Killer Questions to Make the Most of Your Mentor Meeting. At this time, we would like to take a brief musical break. We'll be playing a track that Madison Glover has choreographed to. The song is Power. The artist is Little Mix. The dance name is Power Mix. Enjoy. <laughs> 